0: You are rahe to WOW Connect, Sangam, Sahitya and Kala Ka. Hello, Namaskar, Aadhaap, Sasrekaal and a very warm welcome to our weekend episode of WOW Connect. For the details of today's episode, of course, I am asking you, Vanika, to take over from here. Thank you Nidhi and today's episode actually we're doing
1: something a bit unusual. We are focusing on our second children's special episode or what we are dubbing our young adult special episode which is in part because of that observation cliched but true that children here are ka karenge and our children are the future. And that's why we are bringing to you today our first Young Adult episode, but technically our second children's special. And when Young Adult, when we say that, what we mean is that these people, these young readers, reviewers, and in one case, authors already, are between the ages of, say, 14 to 17, and they're on the cusp of you know, leaving high school or taking their competitive exams. And so their perspective was quite unique and interesting. And we had a lot of fun talking to them.
0: Absolutely. And it was actually reassuring to know that they read and they write and they express themselves through words. Yeah. And are good at it also. And, you know, the
1: enjoyment really, I think, comes through. So Nidhi has conducted one interview today. I've conducted one. And we have one voice note that you might recognize, actually, (laughs) if you've
0: heard our previous children's special episode. Yeah so we've got three children on board young adults uh, like you said we have vikramaditya singh Manral, we have yusra khan and we have agam jodh who is Rabjot's yeah, brother
1: exactly but i wanted to see if anybody would have picked up on that but you would have guessed anyway so that's our episode for today and also i'm going to tell you about the book that we'll be reading which we actually unanimously decided which is i think the first time it's happened nidhi and i both reached for the same book and that book is the spark that changed everything stories of the world's greatest discoveries ideas and inventions by veena prasad published by Hachette india which got rave reviews from all our young readers who picked it up which was quite a few actually all of them wanted to read this book and in fact in fact Rabjot has mentioned this book exactly which was the cherry on top of the cake <laughs> <And> we <laughs> thought now we absolutely have to go with this one and both of us individually really enjoyed it also so that's the book we'll be reading from and in fact we'll start one reading uh, right now
0: from the little fact boxes okay this is about salt and you yes. all know about the salt satyagraha so Mahatma Gandhi's salt satyagraha was the one movement that motivated people of India into protesting against the unjust tax on salt. Not just that, the British had even prohibited people from making their own salt. And because you can't cook without salt, this worked well for the oppressors. And you know what, this salt satyagraha didn't happen only in India. There were salt wars all across. So there's one such uh, war which was known as San Elizario Salt War, in which groups fought for control over the salt lakes of West Texas, in the mid 19th century and during that time the american revolution the british prevented salt from reaching the revolutionaries you know so that they were unable to preserve their yeah i was uh, just going yeah, to say it's probably because salt is also used to pre- yeah. for preservation okay uh, i have certain idioms on salt okay <laughs> <laughs> is this a quiz is
1: it a no really not quiz? really it's okay. something
0: fun so to rub salt into the wound
1: when you are injured and somebody makes you feel worse about it. Salt the books. is like cooking the books, which means somebody is giving you false information.
0: The salt of the earth. Very honourable, noble people. Mm-hmm. Old salt. I don't know this one. An old sailor, someone who specifically has a lot of experience on the seas. So you scored three out of four. You said it bad. wasn't a
1: quiz, but okay, <laughs> 3 out of 4 isn't
0: that bad. Okay, So let's take this episode ahead with a pinch of salt.
1: Wow. Okay, on that note, let's begin with our first interview, which is Nidhi in conversation with Vikramaditya Singh Manral.
2: Uh, good morning, my name is Vikramaditya Singh Manral. I am currently studying in class 8. Uh, my school's name is the Lawrence School Lovedale, which is nestled in the south tip of India in the state of Tamil Nadu.
0: Okay Vikramaditya. tell me uh, You have reviewed books from our festival And uh, you chose a particular author Yes Can
2: you tell us? I chose Ranjit Lal because I have already read his books And I chose him because the way he writes his books is very funny and relatable Okay And which is the book that you picked up this time? It is The title of the book is Bhaji, Bridge and Big Jin. It is about a girl and a boy and their um, 10 year old uh, dog who is a mix between a Tibetan mastiff and a German shepherd and he explains
0: how protecting nature is important otherwise you will be in trouble. Thank you. You reviewed our books and I hope you had an interesting time and you will continue being associated with Value of Words. Yes, surely. I know you are an avid reader and your parents initiated you into reading, so the credit does go to them, right? Yes. But it has benefited you? Yes, it has. So, were you always open to reading or was it you were forced initially? Initially,
2: I think I was a little forced because I didn't like it so much but then I started reading authors
0: and then I started enjoying it. So, what will be your message to the young readers who are starting to read if their parents force them to read? so what would I be think your message they
2: should read because it will help them for example in my english paper sometimes if i don't learn i just read the sentence and i can pick out the grammatical error one so my parents say because you've read you've read so many books you can understand if it has a grammatical error or not
0: also i think when you are writing a composition your imagination yes. also
2: uh, kind and of you get you have a large vocabulary then you understand different
0: authors, your imagination increases, you can imagine lot of things. Yes, I think that's what Vikramaditya has done. He's given us a nice piece of advice and the young readers who are beginning to read, I hope will go by his advice because I have seen him blossom and I have seen him write and I have seen him read. Thank you so much Vikramaditya for joining us this morning. Thank you so
2: much for the opportunity.
1: I really enjoyed listening to Vikramaditya talk because he's got, you know, sometimes in just somebody's voice, you can hear what certain traits of their personality must be like. And he sounds like, I don't know how to explain this. He sounds like an upstanding young man uh, yeah, and of very earnest and very sincere and very
0: intelligent, of course. So it was a real pleasure and thanks Vikramaditya for speaking with us. I'm looking forward to the next clip also because you've conducted it and I know Yusra is a lovely child. Yeah, she's honestly a really remarkable
1: young girl and I'm so fond of her. And in fact, it could have been a much longer conversation. I think it was hard for our editor to bring it down. Same with your conversation with Vikram Aditya also. But uh, yes, yeah, so our second clip is with the young writer and reader Yusra Khan. And I'm not going to talk about it too much because we'll just start straight away. Hello all and welcome with me this extraordinary young guest we have who's one of my favorite people that I've
3: spoken to. This is, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi I'm Yusra Khan and I'm in grade 10th. I study in DPS Mathura Road and I love books. She really does love books with all her heart and she's a young author
1: herself. She's already got her first book out which I'm going to ask her about before we move on. Do you want to tell us about that first book you wrote?
3: Right. So my first book's name is Welcome Home. It's a children's category, and it is also a haunted book. Yeah. So it is basically about a girl, a mysterious girl who moves into town, and many strange things happen there, including porcelain dolls and horror stuff. So I guess children will like my book. This, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of classic horror tropes, like even the porcelain dolls and yes. there's this haunted house yes. involved. Yes. There's a
3: haunted house as well as fantasy as well as books yeah so there's a lot of stuff in there
1: so how did you come up with this story
3: i used i started reading books when i was nine so i suddenly began growing interest in them and i really liked books now so one day i was like really bored i had nothing to do i was done with all my interests then suddenly this thought struck me porcelain dolls plus horror and that is when I start, like, started writing my book. And what was the hardest part to write? Was it description or was it harder to come up with the characters? Or The ending was a little different because uh, I couldn't figure it out much. I had thought of it as something else but then I found out it didn't make much sense so I had to figure it out a lot. So the ending came as you were writing the book. Is that it? Yes. So uh, it took a little time. I discussed with my parents. They helped me, and then I found found out the ending.
1: Oh, and we know secretly that you are also
3: working on some material for a second book. Yes, I am, and it's going to be a compilation this time. Hmm. It's going to be a compilation of three books and three poems. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit? Can you tell us about one of the stories and one of the poems? Right. Uh, one of the poems are about uh, one, uh, my favorite time when I was small. Um, my mama used to say that you could find dwarfs underground. I I always had an interest in dwarves and I one day went to my mom and I asked her where can I find one and then she told me it was very ex- exciting and out of the world idea. It was amazing. So you'll find it out more in the poem.
1: Okay, so we have to read to find out. Yes,
3: and one of the stories I know it's in the fantasy genre because that's your yes. interest. Yes, so one of the stories are the one I like the most. I'm gonna tell you about that. It's uh, a girl, a small girl. She visits a haunted house when she is when she was very small, and then after a few years, she discovers a supernatural power which she can, which is voluntary as well as involuntary. So, sometimes she, when she writes some, a particular sentence or something, it comes true. And many tragic things happen. One day there was a plane crash going to happen because the girl wrote about the plane crash. But she found out a way to stop it. And you're going to find out more when you read the book.
1: Again, what a tempting offer. So, when can we expect this book? By next year?
3: I guess, uh, yes, I think next year because I will just start my 10th and I'll be very busy in my studies. I I will have to find out more time for my book. So yes, you will find it about early to 2020, 2021. Maybe 2021, maybe it might
1: even be 2022. But what we're excited about is we're expecting that you'll come and release the book with us at our festival. Sure, I will love to. So, That leads me, unfortunately, to the end of this, which is that what is your advice then for the people who are listening, especially the young people who are
3: listening? Uh, What is your advice for them that they start enjoying reading and maybe that they start writing too? I would like to tell them that reading is not boring. When I was small, even I did not like reading because I had never started reading. But once you just start reading even the shortest of book, you will discover an interest in it and one day you can find out yourself as a big author.
1: Yeah, just like Yusra Khan here, who I'm very, very sure of, that she has a bright, sparkling future as an author and whatever else she decides to become. Thank you so much for speaking with me, Yusra. It was a real pleasure.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Yusra. I will definitely read this book, Welcome Home, and I'll post my views and I'll talk to you about it. But many congratulations (laughs) to you, dear girl, and may you always be successful. Thank you, Yuvanika, for conducting such a lovely interview. It was really my own pleasure. It was great to talk
1: to her. We gabbed a lot about many things before and after. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) And we covered a variety of topics and she's got a quick, agile mind. So it, it makes it a pleasure to speak with her. And um, finally, our third is a voice note. Is a voice note, and in fact, some of our regular listeners will recognize this voice and this format of voice note because this is the brother of the beloved Rabjot, Rabjot. from so, our last children's special episode, whom we got so much love for. We got love for him on his behalf. And, and this, this is Agamjot. This is Agamjot, who's his brother. And he is also a really sweet boy. So we're going to play his voice note for you now.
4: My name is Agam Jot Singh and I study in 8th Standard. The book I read was The Spark That Changed Everything. The stories in the book were very interesting and amazing. The columns that were made for extra knowledge were very interesting to read. The book is all about inventions. From fire to food and from starting to present. I loved and enjoyed reading all the stories in the book. First they made fire. With fire they made food and later tools to cultivate more food. With cultivation came homes which became societies and then civilizations. This book is the best book I have ever read. It was a delight reading this fascinating, inspiring and amazing book. I had a very great time reading this book. Thank you. Thank you, Agamjot, And we definitely agree with you. This book is wonderful.
0: The one that you read. And when Yovanika and I, we both read this book. We were absolutely enthralled and we decided that we're going to take up some fun facts like you mentioned. We're going to take some fun facts from this book, The Spark That Changed Everything, Stories of the World's Greatest Discoveries, Ideas and Inventions by Dina Pasad, published by Hachette India. So the first fun fact, Yavanika is going to read out to all of us. Okay.
1: And also again, thank you so much Agam and thank you to Vikram Aditya and to Yusra for talking with us. It's uh, been very nice. Okay, now I'm going to tell you the first fact, which is called the Silk fruit. Have you heard of how a Chinese princess discovered silk? The story goes that she was relaxing in her garden one day, sipping tea under a mulberry tree. Spotting some beautiful white cocoons on a leaf, she reached out to touch them. And then, oops, one of the cocoons fell into her hot tea. As she pulled it out, she saw that it unwound into one long silk thread. And that is how the luxurious fabric was born. Now, this may or may not be the truth, but essentially that is how silk is made. Just as cotton thread is drawn out and spun, silk thread is extracted by dunking silkworm cocoons into boiling water and then drawing out the silk thread. It was lustrous, it was soft, it was nothing like anyone had seen before. Travelers from Europe and the Middle East were particularly enamored and a major trade was established. China guarded this method for many years, but a good idea can't be kept quiet for too long. The secrets of silk manufacturing soon spread to India, which broke China's monopoly. Even 5,000 years after its discovery, silk remains a symbol of luxury. Quite interesting,
0: yes, isn't it? Yes, a good idea cannot be kept a secret for a very long time. That's the fact. That's the same thing I took away from it. <laughs> So, natural winter clothes. Okay. Yohannika, I picked this one up especially for you because you keep saying I get goosebumps, I get goosebumps, <laughs> and I heard this interview, I got a goosebumps or something like that. No, it's not just me. We
1: both say it often. That's why you picked it up. <laughs> we are equally so I want to actually
0: tell you the history behind goosebumps. Okay. Okay. The natural winter clothes. Did you know that goosebumps are an evolutionary trait that helped your ancestors survive? When our ancestors had long hair that covered most of their bodies, cold weather would cause the hair follicles to contract, making the hair stand on end. In other words, they got goosebumps. This created a layer of warmth around the skin, helping people survive the cold in winter.
1: Wow. So it's an evolutionary thing
0: that we get a lot of goosebumps every time
1: we listen to a good interview, which in our line of work now is every weekend. So. But anyway, um, now the fact I'm going to tell you about. And as you can tell, we're trying to give a diverse variety of facts. So there's something hopefully for everyone. This one is on voyages and potatoes. A couple thousand years after the Polynesians in 1497, Vasco da Gama undertook a perilous journey from Lisbon to Cozy Code, sailing around the Cape of Good Hope. He had set out with a crew of 170 men. And after spending 300 days at sea, only 54 returned home with him. The rest had died of various illnesses, most commonly scurvy, which is a fatal disease caused by lack of vitamin C. Because, you see, the sailors had to survive on stored food for long periods of time. And vitamin C is found in fresh citrus fruits, as we all know, which are perishable. So while the early European explorers were hailed for their achievements in in undertaking these long voyages to locate new lands for trade and conquest... It was very difficult to put together a crew, knowing that most of them would die before completing the journey. But one journey was remarkable for the fact that there were fewer deaths from scurvy. This was because they had been eating a strange new tuber from South America that the sailors had brought into the ship as they were leaving. And this was the potato, a plant unknown to the Europeans because it was not native to them. Potatoes, I don't know if you know this, happen to be a rich source of vitamin C. They also have a longer shelf life compared to citrus fruits and can be made to last for months if stored in vinegar. In fact, the Incas had devised a method of dehydrating and mashing potatoes that would make them last up to 10 years. So now with potatoes on board, it was possible to have voyages that were a lot longer. And that's the story of the humble potato and its actual might. Why do you think I like potatoes? Because
0: also, because you're actually a sailor, no. you're actually old sold. Why do you like potatoes? No, because uh, see, now I know the fact about potatoes, but otherwise, uh, potatoes are our favorite. And you know, know?
1: I also know this fact about potatoes, that's quite interesting. Now, I've forgotten the details, but the potato in India, we eat so much aloo her cheese. We have aloo dal, aloo sabdi, ki bari her cheese. But the potato is actually quite recent. So recent that I think some visiting Englishman presented it as a gift to uh, one of the rulers. I don't remember the dates and all, but it's very recent. We can trace it back to colonization, in fact. So, not more than 300 years, I guess. And it seems like such a staple part of our diet. Absolutely.
0: is yes, mine, definitely. <laughs> okay, the next fact is, let the stars be your guide. This is very interesting. Okay. okay. So how our ancestors actually found their way around. So they spent a lot of time looking at the stars, their changing patterns and some unchanging patterns and came up with one spectacular idea that changed the world. You know how they learned to navigate using the stars as their guide. They, they actually observed how certain constellations were visible only in summer and others only in winter, just like the sun. They seem to set and rise, but so much more slowly, taking months to do so. They observed how some constellations were visible throughout the year. They also noticed one star in particular that didn't seem to move at all. This is Polaris, or the North Star. Mm. And the constellations that are visible throughout the year appear to rotate around this star. Only, uh, actually this happens only in the Northern Hemisphere so much. So if you are standing at the North Pole, Polaris will be directly overhead. At the equator, Polaris will be over the horizon. And if you're anywhere in between, the North Star will be somewhere between the horizon and over your head. You know, this is Dhruv, right? In Indian mythology, this is called Dhruv the pole Star. It's yeah. the same star. Yeah. But you could be anywhere along the Tropic of Cancer. How do you know whether you're in India or Mexico? With just the stars, you can't know. But you can tell whether you've been traveling eastwards or westwards. So you need to observe a star that sets in the east and rises in the west. Note down the time it sets and rises every evening. If it rises earlier every evening, then you are heading east. By keeping track of how much earlier you can tell how far east you have travelled.
1: That's actually a really useful trick, isn't it? I mean, that you can observe the sun and know where
0: you are. That's really useful. And stars to watch out for, you know, to navigate properly, you need to know at least 38 constellations and 56 stars. Hmm. Yeah, that is actually very interesting
1: and perhaps some survival tips in there in case any of us ever happen to be stuck without our phones or Google Maps or any other way of finding direction. I like this fact. Um, I'm going to talk about colors and brushes, which is cave paintings, basically. And I found this really interesting. Early cave art was monochrome, which means it was just a couple of colors because there was a lack of pigment. So usually they would use charcoal mixed with spit or animal fat. And then early humans discovered that hematite, which is iron oxide, Mm -hmm. was a rich source of red pigment. So then we started seeing art in two colors, carbon black and red ochre. And then clay, which was a good source of yellows and blacks. The ground calcite, which was used to make white pigment. And prehistoric caves on every continent on Earth, except Antarctica, contain art. So far, most of these cave paintings have been found in Europe, particularly France, and some caves even seem to have been used as art galleries. Indian cave paintings, however, even back then, were much more colorful than the others. They used shades of purple, green, and brown in addition to the standard black and red. And that's, you know, fascinating. And they would apply the pigment with their fingers or they would use leaves or moss to dab the colour on. And then over time, they created brushes with animal hair. But there are actually some paintings that look as though they've been done with spray paint. And how did they do that? Yeah, exactly. So how they achieved that is that archaeologists think they may have blown pigment through hollow bones or through reeds straight onto the rock canvas, wow. giving it that kind of effect of being spray painted on. Wow. Wow incredible and she ends by saying that you know I'm tempted to say we've come such a long way since then in terms of art but maybe we reached the pinnacle when we started
2: hmm
0: so are we we've done fun facts and we've learned so much you know actually this book gives us a lot of insight information, into information yes yeah.
1: and there's still so much stuff that we have not told you. can I tell them one last fact
0: are we running short I think you're running short on time okay but
1: um, okay, Quick, well, quick, quick, if you okay. can do it. Well, it's on ancient surgery and it's about, <laughs> um, you know, I'll skip all the fascinating stuff about India and the Sushruta Samhita and the Charak Samhita, which are some of the oldest textbooks on medicine. And I want to tell you guys only the last fact, which is in Egypt's Saqqara lies the tomb of Merit Pitaa, was one of, that's probably not how you pronounce it, but she was one of the first female physicians who was known by name. She lived in 2700 BCE and has been described as the chief physician by the hieroglyphs present on her tomb. Not much is known about her, but later writing suggests that a strong line of female physicians practiced and thrived in ancient Egypt.
0: Wow. So that
1: is a good factor. Thank stuff. you, Yvonneka. I'm so sorry I stopped you. This is wonderful. No, no, indeed. never. Never apologize. But uh, this we actually are overshooting our time a little bit. But it's been fun. And this book is great fun to read. You can just pick it up and start reading any one of the chapters or any one of the facts at the back. And actually, one thing I wanted to tell you, <laughs> this is the final thing, I promise, is that on her last page, I really like this. She's got, uh, you know, the fact box but it's empty and it just says what's your brilliant new idea and there's space for you to put down whatever creative thoughts and ideas you have and I like that way to end the book maybe that's how we should end this children's special slash young adult
0: podcast so of course so you have to tell them to give us their brilliant ideas and yes, post their please. views and their opinions and their feedback yes on please. our website which is
1: www.valuewords.org please do drop by and let us know what you think what your creative idea might be we won't steal it we'll just encourage you <laughs> but we also might
0: steal it <laughs> so on that note Let's promise to meet them again, same place, same connect.